And so keep your mind wide open to the things of God and, and, and don't limit yourself. Quit whispering about who he is and be loud about it, loud and clear. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, you, you just got to get ready. So I'm going to go ahead and get ready myself and get right into this. I'm thankful for this newsletter. That's awesome about that. Keep Daniel. He's taller than I am. Keep him in prayer. He had surgery on his leg and his, or his ankle. He had to repair some tendons. He's watching probably online. We love you, Daniel. We're praying. Your worship is powerful. We can't wait to get you back home. So we're thankful for him. Um, just keep praying for him because he's had some major surgery on his, on his foot, but he's going to have a new walk, a new step, a new step in his life, and we're thankful for that, what God's going to do. 2 Samuel chapter 12, pray for me as well as I'm preaching because um, my throat, it's not, I'm, I'm not contagious or nothing. I just feel hoarse, like I'm losing my voice and probably because I was so loud over there. But, uh, so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has Put away your sins. You shall not die. However, because of this deed, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child who uh, is born to you shall, shall surely die. Then Nathan departed from the house, and the Lord struck the child uh, Uriah's wife uh, bore to David, and, and he became ill. Uh, the child became ill, and David therefore pleaded with God for the child uh, for the child, and David fasted, and he went in, and he laid down on the ground, verse 17, he says that the elders of the house arose and went to him and tried to raise him up from the ground, but he, he would not, uh, he could not, nor did he eat food with them. Then, then on the seventh day, somebody say seventh day, oh, you're going to have to wake up, say seventh day, on the seventh day, it came to pass that the child was dead, and, and the servant of, uh, of David, they were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they were said, indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not <coughs> heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? They're whispering among each other, having this conversation. It said that he may do some harm. So when David saw that the servants were whispering, somebody's always whispering, right? Okay. So, when David heard them whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to the servant, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed, washed and anointed himself and, and changed his clothes and went into the house of the Lord to worship. God, I pray you touch this time, this moment, and the time in this place. God, I pray people get focused, leaning in on your word, and ready for what is about to happen for this new year and beyond. Not just the season of new year, but what's going to step them in, in, until they meet your face, God. Have your way. Open their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. There is not a person in this room, church, there's not a person in this room who does not want change in some way in their life. Not one person in this room. Today I'm going to talk to you about a new mind. Somebody say new mind. We're going to talk about a new mind. There's not a person, something that you're working on, that you want to fix, that you want to get better at, you want to be a better person, you want to evolve, your credit, your debt, your bills, your personality, your temper, your temperament, how to handle people, how to handle resources. There is not a person in this room 
that does not want change. Crawling, creeping, snatching after it, trying to attain it. There's not a person in this room always smiling as, as, as if you don't need it, but secretly down inside crying to God in the middle of the night, fix me, God. Fix me. Fix me where I'm hurting. Fix me where I'm broken. Fix me, I'm tired. Because if you don't fix me, I'm going to lose everything. And here's where we go. We get into this text. In the life of David, we get into this moment of David, and, and, and here it is. He's, he's caught. David is at an intersection of his life. I don't know if you've been there or if you're there now. There is an intersection of your life. David is in an intersection of his life. He's at a crossroad moment of his life. He has been anointed king over Israel. He has been endued with grace and power to do exports for the kingdom of God. He has been mighty in battle. He has crushed the Philistines. He's rendered them helpless over and over and over again. He's left dead the carcass of Goliath, laying him flat-footed on the ground. Cut his head off from his shoulders. Mocked his name. Ruined his reputation as a giant and as a boy carrying his big head. Back to the camp. He has done great things. Mighty things. Moved into the palace. Changed his entire life. Changed his family's life. And yet, on the other hand, he had some of the greatest failures you could ever imagine. Moral failures. Character failures. Bad choices. Bad decisions. Fell in love with somebody else's wife. Wanted her so bad, he had the man killed to get her. And now she's pregnant. This is great, mighty David. And we find David praying after the word has been delivered from Nathan the prophet, saying that God has pronounced death over that child. And David is trying to reverse the curse. And we find him at the intersection of his life trying and asking God, fix it, God. Fix this, God. David knows God is merciful. He's dwelled in his presence. He's experienced his mercies. He's experienced God over and over again. He has seen God forgive. You couldn't discipline David for repenting. David repents so good. He's crying, laying on the floor. He's so good at repenting that you're just like, okay, David, just don't do it again. You ever had a child that repented so good to you and you want to whoop their hind end and you know you're like, man, they, uh, don't do it again. You know you want to discipline them and you're like, come on, you should. And they're, 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 they're in tears and they're, they're crying. You're like, I'm just so sorry. And you're just like, I, uh, don't look at me with those eyes. David was like that. He repents so good. He's, he's, he's so genuine in repenting. But this time he prayed and there was no answer. 
This time he prayed and he, he laid flat on the floor with no answer. The mighty valor who, who brought down giants to their knees is now laying face down on the floor in the dirt in the presence of those who follow him. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. You see, it's one thing to be on the ground and stay on the ground, but it's another thing to be up and fall to the ground. To once had it and lost it. To once know it but can't find it. (laughs) To touch it but you can't taste it. It's a painful thing. So painful. He came so close to rising up. And now the mighty king of Israel lay flat on the floor, his head in the dirt, crying out to God for seven days, seven days crying out to God, crying out to God, work hard. He's working so hard without food, without water. He's fasted for seven days, facing the dirt, asking God, somehow, some way, Save this nameless baby. Save this child. Save this baby, God. And now we, we've seen people crying over babies before. But, we've, but David is the first man to my knowledge in all the scripture we see cry over a baby. David's the first man we see crying over a baby. We've seen Hannah cry over a baby, not Hannah. But we've seen Hannah cry over a baby. We've seen Rachel cry over a baby. We've seen Mary cry over her baby. But we've never seen a man fall out, cry over a child that he has not seen, not met, not touched, and not even named. And he is on his face crying out for the baby. Man cried out, the big man, the big, strong, mighty man is crying out, bawling his eyes out. God save this child, God save this baby. At the stress of seven days crying out before God, it's real hard when you're trying to save something that God is trying to kill. It's real hard. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of work to revive something that God is trying to terminate. Oh, God, keep it going. Oh, God, keep it going. Keep this thing going. And God's like, no, I'm trying to kill it. For seven days, he prayed trying to save what God was trying to kill. I wonder if there's anybody in here today that has spent 2022, 2021, 2020, 2019, 2018, 2017, trying to save what God has been trying to kill. Trying to save something God has been trying to kill for years and you won't let it go. Before you disrespect the man, it's a hard, it's, it's hard sometimes when you're at the intersection of your life. There's some things that come along and knock you to your knees, that come along and knock the wind right out of you. See, some preachers might not tell you this, 
Some of your heroes might not even talk about it, but every great man and woman goes through a time in their life that knocks them to their knees and makes them doubt themselves. And you wonder, Lord, is this the big one? Is this it? Am I gone? Is this the one? Am I out? I don't know if I can come back from this. I wish I had a witness in this church that if somebody that's gone through something, amen? Don't be quiet. I know you're listening, but I wish somebody would. We all go through it. Is this it? Is this the big one? Will I ever survive this? He's praying to keep something that God is trying to take. But listen, don't be too hard on him. Because he's not even alone. The Apostle Paul prayed for something that God would not do for him as well. Oh God, take this, take this thorn from my flesh. Three times he prays it. And God said, no, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to give you grace to carry it. I'm not going to take, take this. If you could just take this, it would be better. No, it won't. What do you do, church? When you are asking for something that is going this way and God's answer is going this way. What do you do? You're trying to save what God is trying to kill. You're trying to keep what God is trying to take. What do you do? Don't judge him because even Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus of Nazareth, alone in the garden, had his own moment. Father, if this is your will, let this bitter cup pass from me. Pray unto the Father, let it pass. I don't want to go through it. If it's your will, let it pass. If not, I'll do what you, but he did pray. Could you let it pass? Could you let it pass? I don't want to do that. And we're like that. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to get it. I don't want that. I don't want to get to where I need to be. I don't want to go through this. I want to know you're a healer, but I don't want to be sick. I want to know you're a way maker, but I don't want to be in a jam. I want to know you're a provider, but I don't want to be broke. Come on, church. I want to have a great testimony, an anointing, like some of the people up here. But I don't want to go through the hell they went through to get the power they got. Come on. No, no, I don't want to. No, let me just buy it in a bottle. Let me wait till 3 in the morning and get on that telemarketer and get that holy water and just oil me up like some fried chicken and just let me see if I can get something from God. Just oil me up. I don't want to just, just get a bottle and somebody shake me down with some oil. I don't want to pay the price. I don't want to pay the price. If it be, let it pass. If this cup, let this cup pass, please. <coughs> Is there a way I could have what I want? without going through the things to get it? Is there a way I could have it? Is there a way I can come to power without going through the terrible moment? And David is wrestling, laying on his floor, in the dirt, in the dirt, crying out, mess, ugly cry mess, snot dripping, everything. He, he is dusty and muddy, a mess, crying out for God. 
And it is the worst kind of fight. David is good at fighting external fights. David's real good at that. Give him a giant and he'll kill it. Give him an army, he'll destroy it. Give him a soul, he'll handle it. But what do you do when the greatest enemy is not out there? Wish I had some people that admit it. What do you do? I wish I had some people that admit it. They're like, I'm not scared. I'll fight. I'll fight somebody every day. But the fight that threatens to kill me is the fight of myself. This will change everything for this year and in the future of your life till you lay flat in a grave, if you allow it. Your best days are seriously ahead of you. What do you do? How do you win the fight when the enemy is me? How do you win the fight when the enemy is your inner me? He's fighting the fight of his life with his face down in the dirt because the real battleground is in your mind. It's never in your circumstances. It's always in your head. I don't know what people are thinking when they say, well, if I could just change my circumstance, then everything's going to be good. Oh, I hear this one a lot. If I could just get out of terrible hole and go live somewhere else, everything's going to be good. No, your mind's still messed up. It will be messed up over there too. Change your mind and see the opportunity at hand. It's always in your head. You can be mighty in your circumstances and many mouths in your head. You can have great advice for everybody else's situation. And when it comes to your own, you can't even get it together to save your life. Man. You can tell everybody else what they ought to do. And then go home and eat dirt because you can't figure it out. You can give the greatest advice, but you lay flat in the, in the, in the, in the confines of your mind and, and you're still crying out for something God's trying to kill. If it's a Goliath, I'll kill it. See, this is the battleground. It's not a geographical location. It's not a debt. It's not money. It's not haters. It's not enemies. It's not liars. It's not backbiters. That's not the battleground. Stop wasting your weapon on what people say. Because it's not what they say about you that matters. It is what you say about you that threatens your destiny. It's never about what they say. You will never be defeated, church, about what people say about you. You will be defeated about what you say about you. That is your battleground. Your mind. We need a new mind. The mind of Christ. That is your battleground. That's where the enemy wants to fight. It's in your head. It's a war. It's a war you will have inside of you. That is where the fight is. You lay down with it. You get up with it. You go to work with it. 
You can't even digest your food correctly because of it. Smiling at people. And nobody knows that there's gunfire going off in your head all night long. Smiling like everything's good. Seven days. Why is David crying over a child for seven days? He's the only man in Scripture that I see crying over a baby. Perhaps. Perhaps the truth lies in the fact that some historians, now listen to this. I was studying this, and they were talking about some historians. There's a lot of stuff that's, I'm going to ask God some questions when I get to heaven, okay? But some historians have studied, and some historians suggest David's birthright was in question. When they say in Psalm 51, in sin did my mother conceive me. I was born in sin. And sharpened in iniquity. Could it be possible? Could it be? Could it be possible that the questionable shadow over David's life might have been the reason why, Je why Jesse did not really point him out as his son when Samuel came to anoint a child as king? Could it be possible? Could it be more than just a stature being little? Could it be that Jesse wasn't really? Church, you with me today? Wasn't really sure about him. Some historians study and suggest in their scriptures that say a couple crazy things about it. And, and why do we? Have this mighty man of valor crying over a baby if he didn't see himself in the baby. And don't you work really twice as hard to save somebody who is troubled with your kind of trouble? You're energized and motivated to fight for people who remind you of you. No wonder David is lying on his face eating dirt saying, save the baby. Because maybe he relates. Perhaps he relates to the baby himself. For seven days, he would not eat. For seven days, these men surrounded him and came and, and, and they saw him laying in the dirt. And the Bible says that they tried to raise him up, but he would not be raised. Have you ever been so low that nobody could raise you? Nobody could lift you. Nothing they said, nothing they did. Nothing they did or said that even they proposed to you would make things any better because you were going through this personal hell yourself. They didn't understand that you were trying to save something that you might have been related to, connected to. Sometimes your history determines the fierceness 
with which you fight against what is in front of you. What I'm trying to tell you, church, is that you can have a good new year, but that means nothing if you don't have a new mind. Oh, happy new year, but if your mind is not renewed, that means nothing. You can buy a new car, but if you put the old man's mind still in that new car, you're still going to have the old experience. You can have a new house, but that doesn't make a new marriage. Just because you get something new doesn't change it. Your mind has to change. And too many times, people live off of grabbing something to have temporary fixes and go up and down, 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 until you run out of resources, and then you're all alone. A new outfit don't make a new person. You might feel good wearing it, but you ain't new. Only when you change this do you become new. If you think you're magically going to be a new person, I hate to be the bearer of bad news today at church. Because only a new life comes with a new mind and a new way of looking at life. Somebody say, I got to change my mind. See, I can't go into 2023 with 2022's mentality. Even though we're right here, I can't go into it with that mentality. I cannot step into the future with the same thinking of the past. I can't take another step forward with the same thought of the past. And it's not just the next day, it's your next step. Your next step has to be renewed. Not wait till tomorrow, we'll get it renewed, we'll figure it out, and we'll get something. No, your steps got to be ordered by God. Not your next day. Tomorrow's got enough. Yesterday's gone. Right now is the moment. I got to have a new mind. Can't step into the future looking at the past. Woo, that's some good stuff. I can't let the, the rumors of the stains of what others say about me destroy my opportunities. Amen? Tell somebody, say, I got to kill it. No, tell them, say, I got to kill it. Don't be too crazy. I got to destroy it today. I got to kill it. I got to get rid of it today. I got to throw it behind me today. I got to put whatever's in my mind behind me so I can walk forward. I got to get rid of it. That's got to die today. Before I step out of this room, it's dying today. But if not, you'll just go into the same old thing, thinking about what you got to do the rest of the day and still live in the same old life. Aren't you tired of it? You tired of the struggle? Quit praying about what God's trying to kill. Got to kill it. I can't drag that old mess into the next year. I can't drag that old mess into the, this, this moment. So what happens is they started whispering. David's crying out. He's trying to get, oh, he's just, he's just crying out to the Lord. 
and God's already done something, and you're sitting there messing and acting like you've got something holy going on, and there's nothing. You just are disobedient. What did he say? What are the things that God told you? Why aren't you obeying? Ooh, that hits our soul to the core. They start whispering. They start whispering. What? Hold up. He's dead? Now they're talking. Don't tell David. Don't tell David he's dead. And you're, you're, you're in, uh, amongst them. And, and you, you hear things whispering about you. He's already flipping out. Don't, don't tell David. He's already done, lost it. It's been seven days. He ain't even moved. He ain't drinking nothing. He ain't eating nothing. He ain't getting up. I've tried to get him up. I mean, this is a great warrior, and he ain't budging. And you tell me that this baby's dead. I am not, I'm not telling him. You tell him. No, you tell him. No, you tell him. Oh, you're stronger. You tell him. Hey, somebody's got to tell you something. You always got that one friend that was mouthy but yet hides behind you. I ain't telling him. He's already flipped out. We've done everything we can that we've normally done to raise him up, and it has not worked. We've tried everything to get him up, but he won't get up. We've said all the things we normally say to lift him up, and it is not even working. See, listen, church, someone here, listen, listen. You're used to being in trouble, and normally you do certain things to fix it. This time it's not working. I do my certain things. I got my certain people and the certain ones that help bail me out and bail me out of my mind and talk me out of things. And It's not working now. The people who normally come to your rescue didn't come. The people who normally lift you up didn't even come through. Am I talking to somebody in here? Come on. Like the people who try, it's not happening. The things that normally give me power and passion didn't come through. Now I'm numb. I mean, I, that one song used to set me off. And, you know, I got the candles lit. If they can just play it, man, woo, I'm going to find God right there. Oh, I'm numb. Now, now the song that I, I try to connect to ain't even working. You got to connect to God with or without somebody trying to kumbaya you. Why is your moment only here? Well, you know what that's called? An infant Christian. If you only worship here, there's a problem. This is a gathering, an equipping of saints. And then we go out and we do the work of the Lord. And we still worship and we still pray and we still lift him up. You ain't got to take communion here to have communion. Go home with your family and take communion. Well, I ain't got nothing. I don't care if you got the poop emoji cup and put some oil or juice in that and get a loaf of bread or some... I don't care if you only got scraps, whatever. It will represent your heart. The, the widow's mind only had what she had, but it was her matter of heart. And church, don't forget where we came from. There was a moment in 2020 where we all sat in our living rooms and took communion in our weird little cups and child cups and stuff, and it didn't even look like it represented Christ and holy, but it did so deep because we invited him into our home. And we made that the temple. Now we're not against doing communion and stuff. I'm just saying, quit thinking that it's only found at church. Too many times there, there's been people that have been put up on a pedestal thinking that everything revolves around the church. You are the church. Church, 
2023, here we go. It didn't work. What do you do? What do you do when the normal things that you would think would help you don't help you anymore? And it doesn't work. We tried to lift him, but we couldn't lift him. He wouldn't move. Now we know something's up. And now we hide the truth from him because we don't think he can handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. We can't tell him because we don't think he can handle the truth. So let's not tell him that the child's dead. Because he's really going to flip out. He's already flipped. I mean, he's, he's a couple screws loose right now. But he's about to flip out. Because bad news is going to turn worse. See, he's already tripping over bad. And if we tell him it's getting worse, he's going to absolutely go crazy. He's going to go bonkers. I mean, it's just going to be a bad situation. But the Bible says... That while they were whispering, David looked up and saw them whispering and said that he perceived. Why they were whispering. He perceived that the child was dead. Church, I don't know if you're getting this, but perceived means his mind. That in his mind, He sensed that the child was dead, and it changed everything. When he perceived that it was dead, it changed everything. Because if you can kill it in your head, you can kill it in your life. Come on, church. If you can kill it in your head, you can kill it in your life. Now the clock can strike midnight all at once. And it can be eight days after 2023. All at once. But if that thing is still alive in your head, it's still going to be alive in your life. you got to kill it. If you're still bitter in your head, you're going to be bitter in your life. You'll just have a new calendar to work. With that same old mindset, you just bought you a new 2023 nice-looking calendar with your puppy dogs on it, with your old mindset. Your old, hateful, conniving mindset. Stuff you did last year, mindset. Your old mindset. You're still going to be jealous. You're still going to be insecure. You're still going to be cussing and taking communion. You're still going to be flipping out over people with your old mindset. But what you got to do is tell the devil, it's over. Devil, it's over. That's not my mindset. That might have been my mindset, but that's not my mindset anymore. I'm leaving that in 20 22. I'm leaving that here today in this moment. That's not my mindset. I'm going forward, forgetting those things which lie behind and pressing forward for the things above and beyond. The goal, Jesus Christ. Got to get it behind you. Somebody say, I got to get it behind me. Come on, you, you got to get it behind you. 
This is your year of destiny, church. This is your year. This is your moment to get it behind you. I have too much in front of me to let it destroy me. I have to put it behind me. I've got to get loose. I've got to get it behind me. I've got to throw it behind me. Throw it behind you. You hear me? Say, get behind me. That's the mind. You might need to look at your neighbor behind you and say, watch out, I'm about to throw something. Get that thing behind you. Be serious about it. I got to get behind. I, this thing's got to go. I'm tired of living like this. I've walked in here like this. I'm not leaving like this. It's new. It's a new mind. It's a new day. Every doubt, it's got to go. Every fear has got to go. Every worry has got to go. Every burden, every dilemma, everything that's held you back has got to go. Everything that kept you going, I've got to throw it behind me. Watch out. Somebody's about to throw something. Watch out. Get it behind you. I mean, get that thing gone. Just launch that thing. You know, let me just sit it back here. Get it behind you. I got to get it behind me. I'm getting ready to forget those things that are which are behind me and reach towards those things that are before me. If I can get it behind me, I can reach for the things God has in front of me. If not, I'm going to keep looking back at behind me and every little hurt and everything that's happened to me. Some people are still, as grown adults, still dealing with hurt that you ain't let go of since you've been a kid. Why they did this? Why mama did that? Why daddy did this? Why I lived in this? I got to get this behind me. I'm a new person. I'm not going back. My mind's new. I'm throwing this off. Throw it out. Here's the crazy part. Is this good? I got I to gotta end this. Holy crap. He perceived it. It said that he perceived this. Your perception is, has everything to do with how your year is going to go. Your perception has everything to do how it's going to work. The way you perceive it is going to be the main thing. See, it's not what you perceive about me. It's what I perceive about me. Look, I don't need you to speak over me or try to give me the word of the Lord. I Hello, I, I need to, I need to speak it in my own mind. We run to certain people to get the word that's going to help us, but if you don't believe it for yourself, you're still going to be the old person. That's not the, listen, it's not the word of the Lord out of your mouth that's going to save me. It's the word of the Lord out of my mouth that's going to save me. For as a man thinks, so is he. That's the word. That's what the Bible says. It's not your words of asking God to come into your heart that's going to save my soul. It's my words in my mouth that's going to save my soul. You got to, it said David perceived it. The child is dead, 
And what blew their mind was his reaction. It didn't blow their mind that, that the child was dead. It was the king's reaction to the child being dead. That blew their mind. He was on a downward trajectory. He had collapsed. He had fallen on the ground. He had stopped eating. He had ripped his garments. And he had cried. He had kicked. And he had screamed. And he would not lift up. He would not get up. They tried everything. He would not move. And the logical next step for him to go down was to go further down. What makes this text radiate is this. For no logical reason, in spite of the natural evidence, in spite of the childhood insecurities, in spite of the odds being stacked against him, what makes this text so powerful is everyone around him expected him to get, give up and die. And suddenly, he arose. And suddenly, he arose. Man, my prayer for you, church, is today that there will be a suddenly in your life, in this moment, that you will just arise up out of your mindset and move forward. That today's your day of suddenly. That he just got up. He killed it in his mind. He knew it was done. He got up. It's a suddenly. I know they're betting against you. I know they probably said you'll never get up. I know they said you'll, you'll never go on with your life. The devil is a liar. God's about to turn things around, church. He's about to turn things around. Somebody shout suddenly. No, shout it louder so the other person can hear. Suddenly. Suddenly, he got up. Suddenly, you're about to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, amen? Suddenly, it's about to turn. The devil is a liar. Suddenly, you're coming out with a victory. You're about to make a U-turn, amen? Suddenly, this is my year. You're not laying in it anymore. The devil is a liar. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Come on, that's what you've got to get in your spirit. I'm back. Man, I've been moping around telling the I'm back. I got my praise back. I got my walk back. I got my purpose back. I got my passion back. I'm back. Come on, somebody shout, I'm back. I'm back. I got my joy back. I got my fight back. Because we declare war against the enemy. I'm back. You ain't going to kill. Yeah, you might have knocked me down, but I picked up my sword. I picked up my shield. I put my helmet back on. You come at me one more time because I'm back. No. No. That's what's so powerful because that's what we're doing is magnify the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. That's what we're doing. Man, I'm almost done. This is a transformative year, church. Like it or not, 
It's your choice. This is it. You know, even for us personally at this church, you know, we're, we're, our prayer in, in this year, we're getting to a place where, you know, as people continue to support the, the, the legacy project and stuff, we're, we're transforming this facility. We, we, we have to get this thing going. It's just not for us in, in our seats. It's for who's going to be coming in these seats. It's for it's the growth. It's for the extra chairs and the movement of this house. It is a transformative year. A new mind changes everything because when it changes everything, everything changes. Everything changes. Well, you know, just, just like transforming, we've been doing it. We've been in the process for, for half a year now, transforming the student ministries from the kids' ministry to the youth and all the above and watching what God is directing and forming with, with what is happening with our children and what is happening with the, the youth. And as we're going to get into getting with the young adults, it's a transformative year, church. Transformative year. We're going to transform our presence on social media. You're just not going to barely hear about us. It's going to be the first thing that somebody's going to see on their feed, that, that God's going to change their life, that you can have a new mind, that your old is okay to be gone and your new is okay to be found. we got to change the approach, guys. we gotta, we got to have a transformative mind. we got to have a transformative year and a transformative approach. Whew. We're going to transform this room. Eventually, the wall, the, 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 the mountain's coming down. It's got to. We got, I got one more trick up my sleeve. Um, <laughs> but it's coming down, and we got to transform this place from the sound system. Guys, listen, we've used remnants, and we're called Remnant Church, and we've literally used remnants of things to make this work. But it is all starting to go. we got to get upgraded things. Some of the stuff you heard today in worship happened on Wednesday night in practice. That stuff wasn't somebody's, somebody was writing. We were writing that in the moment. We weren't writing it. Heaven came down and delivered it to you to give it back to him. We got to get this stuff out there. Don't you want to put it on your playlist in your car? Don't we, don't we want the other churches, to, we can champion other churches with it? We got to get a new mind. Because we get complacent and stuck in the same mode. And we do church over and over and not change. Something's got to give. God's going to start transforming you, getting you, getting what is inside of you to come out. Some people have been afraid of this because of their past and their past thoughts and their past old lifestyle. But your new mind is going to allow you to pull things up out of you that you had no idea was inside of you. And start using the transformative thinking to save, to save the lost. And listen, some of you guys, so you're saved, and you're really saved. But your thinking comes and reflects where you came from. You are saved, but your thought process reflects where you came from. God's trying to do something new. Wipe the slate, control all, delete, change it all up. Transform the whole house. Transform the mind. You can't figure out how you can be saved. And there's times this happens that we try to figure out how can we be saved and still struggle with the same problems and the same issues and the economical disparities and the challenges of the neighborhood you came from. How can I be saved and still struggle with the stuff I grew up in? It's changing your mind. 
He's changing your approach to it. He's about to transform your thinking, church. Your mindset, your approach to life, what you expect out of life, what you are going to get out of life, your whole mind, the new mind is going to change everything. The old man, the old woman, it's got to go. You got to throw that thing off. Get it out of here. Release it. God is going to start transforming your spiritual poverty mentality. He's going to transform it. You're going to dig. You're going to eat. You're going to eat. You're going to get so full with the word. You can't help but every opportunity you see, you're going to witness to someone. You're going to change because your mind changed. It's not just about me in the store and me in this. It's about you, God, and your glory and your name, your direction. He's also going to transform your approach to giving. See, it won't be an option in your mind anymore. It'll just be what you do under the authority of who he is and his obedience. You, your opportunity to give, your opportunity to tithe, your opportunity, not what I might have and not have. God is not some kind of a machine that you look at and you change it and you look at your spreadsheet. He's not your spreadsheet. He gets the top and only the top because that's who he is. But see, when you transform your mind, your thought process will change. Because it won't be an option. Now, a lot of people make it an option. And, and I'm not, listen, I don't even deal with the stuff like that. But I will tell you this. Because it's a new year and taxes and people give their in-year giving. Go look at your own paper and see how much you actually gave. How obedient were you last year? I'm just being real about it because here's what happens. In this moment, when you have a mindset, you look at it and say, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that person anymore. My opportunity to serve is different now because I'm choosing to do it. I choose. This ain't even an option. This is a part of my life. And my kids, I'm going to teach my kids. And my kids is kids. And my kids is kids. This blessing is going to keep transforming. We're going to sing about your goodness. We're going to talk about your goodness. We're going to be about your goodness. And that's how it transforms heritage. Woo. See, there's more inside of you than what you even perceive. There's more in you than what you perceive. See, your job is not a reflection of your gifts. There are gifts that you haven't even tapped into yet, church. Resources that, you, that, that are buried inside of your soul that you don't even realize. And my prayer for you, with a new mind, that this is your year. To come out from among them and be separate. This is your year. This is your year. See, as things shift in the church, so will you shift. Because you are the church. A hand in hand. See, God's about to transform your entire life. That's why the devil don't want you to make it into this year. He doesn't want you to finish this year. He doesn't even want you to go through this. He wants all hell to break loose. I don't know from, this is the eighth day of the new year, but has anybody been through hell all the way up to this day? You see what I'm saying? Have you gone through something? The devil is a liar. He lies. And he has other things buried inside of you that he's going to open up this year. And some are going to, listen, some people are going to, it's going to be unexpected. 
God has things that he's going to do. God is going to bring forth in your life areas that you've not been trained in. Hear me, church. God is going to bring forth areas in your life because he is trying to move so quick that he, he is trying to develop and push people. You ain't got to be qualified to do what he will qualify you as you do his work. You've got to change your mind. You're not even going to be qualified to do. You won't have a, a lick of training for what he's about to do. You won't even see it coming. You won't have a degree in it. Your experience don't validate it, but God will validate it. God will do it. God will do it, and he is going to do it. He's going to stir it up. He's going to stir it up so much that other people are going to be in wonder. How in the heck are you able to do that? You know, I went to school for that, and you're able to do that? There will be people better trained. And they're going to be shocked at what's going on because God is going to transform you. Because it's, it's a new mind. He formed us in the dirt of the earth. He wants us to be transformed in our mind. He's got treasures hidden down inside of you that you haven't even touched yet. The devil wants you to eat dirt. Lay down on the floor and die. But church, the devil is a liar. I'm not laying down anymore. I'm not going to cry over something God's already killed. See, if David would have stayed on the ground, he would have never birthed Solomon, who would become king of Israel. If he would have stayed on the ground, he would not have done it. I'm going to have my wife come and my mother come up here. We're about to change, switch gears. He would have never have done it. But when he rose up, guess what? He birthed the future king. Do you realize church is a king inside of you? There's a great one in you. You can come up here. But you have to be transformed into a position to receive it. It's not the movement. You can grab that other mic, Mom. It's not the movement of the clock that produces new life. Because it's the next click. It's the next click. It's the next click. It's the movement of your mind that produces new life. The new mind. That means, church, you ready? When you have a new mind, guess what? Whew. I got a new mind. Guess what my wife gets? A new husband. She's got a new mind. I get a new wife. You get a, a new grandson, a new granddaughter, a new friend. A new spell. Your mind is new. It becomes new to somebody else. You ain't got to justify it for nothing. They will stand in awe and see the goodness of God through your life. It's a new mind. Your old friends won't, they won't even understand it. But guess what you got to do? Throw it behind you. Did I hit you? Dang it. You got to throw it behind you. Because what's the word of God say? 
This ain't here for just play and me to tap it on there and like that looks good on my dresser. The word God says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper and all that rises up against me will fall. That's what the word says. That's a new mind, and that's what I stand on when all hell breaks loose in my life. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. You might think you took my joy, but I'm getting up. Oh, nope, I'm not even going to take a knee today. I'm not taking a knee today. Nobody's going to lift you up. you got to perceive it suddenly, suddenly. Woo! Listen, thank you. Come on, go ahead, girl. Things you used to worry about, they ain't going to be you anymore. It's a new year. Things you used to get on your nerves, they ain't going to get on your nerves anymore. It's a new you. Things that used to respond in anger, you ain't going to respond in anger anymore because you got a new you. It's not happening. You're not getting distracted in 23. You're focusing on what's in front of you. This is your time, church. This is your moment, church. What separates us from the world is transformation. That's what separates us from the world. Transformation. The possibility of change. The possibility of change. The desire to evolve. The passion to get up off the ground and stop eating dirt. The possibility to get up and change your thought pattern and change your mindset. The Bible says, I got to go. The Bible says. David perceived. And when he perceived, he killed it in his mind, which caused him to get up. And it said he got up. He washed himself. Can I get a pastor to come up here, please? And he anointed himself. And he went into the house of the Lord. Well, you shouldn't anoint yourself. The Bible says, David got up, he washed his hands, he washed his face, he put on new garments, he anointed himself. God, this is your temple. It's all yours. And he went into the house of the Lord. Church, it's time to get up. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. And he went into the house of the Lord. Go ahead. Transition. He's so good. Seriously. It's time to get up. We're going to pray. This is your year. I think right now in this moment, I believe if you allow it to happen, you're going to, God help me, save the baby. And he's like, I'm trying to kill it. But you're going to suddenly kill it in your head. No, 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 hold up. I've laid in this mess for too dang long. Hold up. I'm getting up. I'm going to wash my face. I'm going to put on my garments. I ain't waiting for so-and-so and and Sister Tacky Mouth and anybody else. I'm getting up. I'm putting my clothes on, and I will meet you at the house of the Lord. You know what's crazy? After he said that, then after he said that, he went to the house of the Lord, and guess what he did next? It said that he went home into his own home, and he gathered with his family. 
A new mind changes the whole mindset of your home. You don't have to let the house be disrupted. Your new mind is going to set the tone for your home. Read the Bible. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to have them transition this. But I'm going to encourage you to read that story. Read it above it and read it below what else happens. I believe that God is going to set minds free in this moment. Why did I use them? Because God's got it stirred in them. And we're about to wreak havoc in this house. But you got to get up. They can't. They, they're, they're not going to be able to do it. Do you think somebody's going to pray and then you're going to speak in tongues because of they? It's you. You think you're going to? It's you. It's you getting up. It's like, I don't want to live like this. I, want to, I don't want my marriage to be like this anymore. I don't want to live in this, this mentality anymore. I got to get up. Your biggest problem is your excuses that you let linger daily. Daily. They linger. Daily. Go ahead and stand. Christy, kick it up just for a second. Close your eyes for a second. God's stirring you. Go ahead. The altars are open. You can move. You can shift gears. You can move into place. It's not my job to move you into position. If you know God's doing a transformation, you need a transformation in your mind because the last eight days haven't really been a transformation. Come to the front.